So, what's going on over the, with everybody? It's been I gotta, way it's been too long. long. It has been way Jesus too long. Yeah. Have you been like working a lot, Eric? What the fuck? I mean, like we were gearing up for a while. Just, All right, this is fucking Metallica. We're going to do this. We're going to do <laughs> it in a, September. And I now we're halfway lot. through October. And it's, I, I had know. a lot going on. So I, I, it wouldn't have been good for me. Yeah. That was no, a we had some month and a half. Yeah. My mom got Ooh, a full oh. knee replacement surgery. Mm. Um, so there Both was my some. parents spent time in the hospital the last since we last spoke. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had some Got, parental had the Rona. issues. Anybody you had, else oh, you did have Corona. Yeah. I had the Rona. And you had the whole uh, family because that person. Oh. <laughs> well, hey, you couldn't. It's know. pretty. It's pretty contagious, apparently. <laughs> I tell you what, coughing with Corona was like it was like fire coming out of my lungs. Oh. God. <laughs> and I couldn't stop. I still have a cough for it, actually. Jesus. I'm going to have to hit the mute button a lot. How long ago was that? Like I got it ago? at the end of August. Wow, yeah, almost two months ago. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't cough constantly. I haven't coughed yet, but it, it right, comes right. frequently now. You got to start smoking again. <laughs> no, I, I did. It hasn't, it hasn't helped. Oh. You, you did? I've been smoking for a while, man. Since I got out of the fire department. Wow. All right. I mean, not 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 daily. Smoking. Yeah, yeah. You're not you're not like Rec- doing it the way we used to do it. Yeah. No, no. Well, you can't <laughs> now. You can't go to Denny's and buy one cup of coffee and smoke two packs of cigarettes. And- <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, and I imagine the cost of cigarettes has probably skyrocketed. Too. Oh, it's yeah. it's like triple what it used to be. Right. Yeah. Maybe you, more. You, you, Probably you more. Can, yeah. You could buy two packs of cigarettes for the amount you cost for a cup of uh, endless cup of Denny's coffee. Now it's gonna, you know, cost you for a half a you know franchise in order to get a carton. <laughs> what it was two bucks in high school, I think, right, Keith? Two bucks a pack? Yeah. Uh I remember I, one time I remember one time I got a carton for twelve bucks. That yeah. was that was like a holy shit, man! I got yeah. a carton for twelve bucks. Was so, it like fifty bucks now? Yeah, Cartons? Probably. No, they're like a hundred. They're close. What? To now. Oh my yeah. god! Jesus Christ! I have no frame of reference because I've never. I, I don't know. Carton? No. Time until you just 10, told me there's twelve. It's ten packs, <laughs> and I think a pack is like five bucks, or maybe seven. I, bucks. I get uh, I get these. Oops, it was loud. Oh, you roll your own? No. Oh, you get lucky strikes. Oh yeah. wow! Uh, you don't smoke uh, red apples? Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh, that's Quentin Tarantino's brand. Bo- yeah. yeah, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> you know, a pack of no. red apples. <laughs> you staring at something, friend? <laughs> hey, my friend. What is it? Paluka? 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 Yeah. Hey, my friend Paluka. I don't know what the fuck that means, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, her name is Luca. I hope it's not <laughs> bad. She lives on the second floor. Well, we should get going. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it's a Metallica episode. Let's start off with Suzanne Vega. Well, let's hit the (laughs) intro first, and then (laughs) yeah, that's a good a good segue. That was probably about the same time. Suzanne Vega, maybe a little early. I guess it was was Suzanne Vega right into Metallica. That's just easy transition. I think she does one of the covers on their new album. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. There's like 53 artists. So, all right, here we go. Hold on to your butts. Right there to our immediate left, we have uh, all the folks gathering for the uh, annual Saxon concert. You've got people who really are into the occult and into Satan. They're propagating Satan, and I think it's a devastating thing. Cows meet up. 
What's your favorite total metal video? Zuckerberg and Gates and Buffett, amateurs can fucking suck it, fuck their wives, drink their blood. Come on, Jeff, get up! Who win in a wrestling match, Lemmy or God? Lemmy. Ah, God. Wrong, dickhead. Trick question. Lemmy is God. Such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. And we're gonna be at the Wilson Beer tonight with Slayer. You're gonna be there too, right? Oh! Ah. Did anybody notice anything different? I did. With that intro. I yeah. didn't. Okay, Somebody good. Somebody got canceled. zoned out. Yeah. So, hey, welcome to Somewhere in Time Podcast, everybody. Uh, SomewhereinTimePodcast.com is where you find all of our stuff. So, yeah, uh, all of our episodes are streaming on our website, so check that out. Um, do some quick intros here. I am Eric. We've got Tim here. Yo. Joe is here. I play bass. And Keith is here. Joe plays bass instead of me. Oh, okay. Keith is lead bass guitar. <laughs> Rhythm. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. <laughs> oh, man, my, my E-string solos are <laughs> phenomenal. Just go up and down the neck. Only no, no, down. no. Just open E the entire time. I mean, come on. Oh, nice. And it's it's like E. It's kind of tuned. <laughs> it's E flattish. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. punky. Yeah, I, 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 punky. I've uh, down tuned to you know E flat. It's like the Pantera album, Cowboys from Hell. It's right. not really in a key. Yeah, you have to you have to tune your your, your knob like a quarter, quarter of an inch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this episode we are talking about a little album by a little band called Metallica. Um, Metallica is the name of the album also known as the Black Album. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of Wolf, Wolf and Man to start us out. Of, of Wolf and Man. Because Why? I want to play Sandman. Because everyone's heard song. Sandman. And yeah. of, Wolf and Man. of Wolf and Man. All right. I had not listened to this fucking album for decades. Yeah. I forgot this song existed. <laughs> well, I, like when, when I when I played this thing, I'm playing the first time, like in preparation for this. I'm like, all right, dude, dude. you know, I'm going like every single song. I'm just like is hitting me. I'm like, oh my god, shut up! I've heard, you know, <laughs> Unforgiven. I've heard fucking, you know, wherever I'm at Rome. Oh, well, that's why we're well, playing. Well, and all of a sudden, this song comes like, you know, exactly. I, it it's pop, a deep pop, cut, pop, and it's just like, it's not that what deep. What the is fuck it? is this? No, I've never it's heard this song him. before. It's a live, it's yeah, a live staple, live. right? Kind of not right? a staple, but it's it's been played. They do play a lot. Like, I think it was. It was on the they, tour. They played it on that yeah. tour. Anyway, let's play a little bit of it. All right, let's stop babbling about it. <laughs> Eric says, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> It's also a good song that kind of builds and gives you a little bit of every yeah. instrument, you know? Guitar. Got the drums coming in. Bass now. Yep. Alright, I'm gonna fade it out there. We're gonna play a lot of this album, but um, a little later we're gonna play a lot of this album. So, so we're not talking about that one yet. No, no. no. We'll, 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 talk, do. we'll do a full track by track thing later in the show. 
There's 12 of them. Actually, probably later in episode in, in part two of this episode. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is going to be a two-parter for sure. So um, just fair warning right now if you're listening. Um, we're probably not going to cover every single song on this episode, so just wait. It'll be there. Just got to wait a little bit. Okay, so Metallica is... James Hetfield on, on rhythm guitar Lars. and vocals. Lars Ulrich on drums. Kirk Hammond on lead guitar. <laughs> and Jason Newstead on bass. And this album is produced by Bob Rock with Hetfield and Ulrich, of course. Um, and maybe we should get right into that. I mean, that's pr- probably one of the biggest um, elements of this that, that, that people point to as far as why this is such a renowned album. You know, the production is um, the Ridiculous. best they had up to that point, for sure. Um, I, I It's funny, because I actually think Load, I think the guitar sound on Load sounds better than this, personally. Really? I do, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think this is probably overall a better mixed and sounding album. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think. Mm. It's close. Yeah. Because I was playing a little bit of Load the other day, and I was like, man, the guitar sound is great. It's a little more um, just beefy and just like... This, uh, I noticed, especially on the remastered version, <clears throat> it was a lot more trebly than I remembered. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the yeah. the Load guitar sound is, is a lot more bassy and just kind of, you know, hits you in the gut. Like, yeah. And I think the bass sounds better on Load, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you all you really get... With this on the bass, for most of it is is the treble from his picking. So mm-hmm. it is by far an improvement over their f- first four albums with the bass sound, but yeah. you still can't really hear the bass. Yeah, I, I mean think, you can hear it even even, even the kick can hear it better than anything else. I mean you can hear the oh. bass pretty pretty solid in master, but you know it's not nearly. <laughs> It's not nearly as good as... Not consistently, you know, I don't think. Yeah, it's not... Let's face it. The shit that was going down in all of the 80s didn't come close to what they started doing in the 90s. I don't know if it's some weird fucking technological master... Well, for, not, that's not true for all bands. Like, Iron Maiden's always had a good bass sound in their albums. I mean, you think in the... In Iron Maiden, the original album, you think that it sounded that good? I mean, you could hear it, right? True. I mean, I don't know. Well, I didn't want to get to, into a new, or what is it, Injustice for Jason already. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you're comparing to the, you know, the sound on Justice, it's night and day. I mean, well, mm-hmm. I mean yeah. I, it's I not even there on Justice. So. I mean, you can hear it like three times in Justice if you have the right stereo system yeah. playing. But. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I think just, we're getting a little nitpicky on this because I put this thing on the other day and it was it like, does, it, just, I, it just came no, it sounds great. It sounds awesome. Holy I'm not, shit, it just, it just... Yeah, we are. Wow. Being, I am we, being nitpicky about it. Yeah, because yeah, sure. this was like my stereo system just came alive, and as soon as like the first note of Inner Sandman came out, I was like, "Oh my god, this sounds so good!" Oh yeah, no, it's it sounds great. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> let's not you know we're, we're kind of avoiding the point here, but yeah, it sounds yeah, like, it's a fantastic sounding album. And 1991, and, yeah, 1991, and it's I mean Bob Rock, and I think that was probably one of the first things that we heard leading up to this album, like when they started writing the album and then they and then we heard oh they hired bob rock yeah and you know we look at his you know the albums that he produced like before that glam guy right it's, yeah he did bon jovi he did dr feelgood yeah yeah um, which dr feelgood sounds really good too right? well does. and that was their that was metallica's point it's like okay so yeah. he did dr feelgood but have you heard the, the you know the drum sound on that album it sounds fucking yeah. awesome so you know 
there was I think there was already a big from from a fan perspective from a lot of fans they were already like what you know like already mm. pushing back like oh my god they hired the guy that did Bon Jovi blah 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 yeah um so you know I think that was the first you know for the people who don't like this album I think that it was kind of one of the first things they probably point to like well they hired Bob Rock you know and Bob Rock wrote the entire album. <laughs> well, all, all of the bass work, you know, that he did for all of the Metallica albums afterwards. <laughs> well, it's good because they ran out of Mustaine song, songs to steal from. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we can play a clip of Bob Rock talking about. Yeah. Um, Go for it. He, he did not write the songs. <laughs> yeah. People. Yeah, this comes through. Yeah, okay. There's a whole thing well, about. That's what he says. Can you believe it? <laughs> the door was open just enough for Bob to sort of grab it and try and pull it more open and let us into a whole different way of doing things. And that was so amazing in retrospect. I mean, the nine months we spent in this room were pure hell because we um, it, we were just really reluctant. I could see I wasn't going to get anywhere with arrangements. Um, I concentrated on tempos and mainly the feel, trying to find the, the pocket for the the tempos and, and, you know, just making changes like that and really listening and feeling out what the band was about. Yeah, so that's it. It's, and I've heard this on the, you know, there's a Metallica podcast out right now and I've been listening to yeah. every one of those episodes and, and he talks about it on there too. It's that, that, you know, they came in with these songs. They've been writing these songs and they were pretty much done. Like there were no changes to the, you know the arrangements like arrangements and and stuff like yeah. that he just went in and made it sound fucking awesome <laughs> yeah so. he he obviously had you know big producer ideas yeah. you know he's yeah. like put this put some tambourine in here put some you know shakers yeah. here whatever it is Strings. he's like yeah right. he just he, he produced the yep. album you know right. so he made That's, it sound well big and, and well you probably know i think we've actually talked about this before on the podcast but that Metallica knew that they were on the cusp of being this humongous band. And I think that, um, I think it was Lars and James were talking about how, um, they needed to outdo Guns N' Roses. Like it was a, it was kind of like a, it was a competition rivalry sort of, you know, competitive thing there. And, um, the two biggest in the, in the, in the genre. Right. And they knew that they weren't going to be able to, to get to that next level with, um, what they were doing before. So they really needed somebody with uh, some gravitas and some more experience, I think, as a producer to I think too and get that, to, to a next level. Yeah. But there's also a thing that they don't really talk about now, it seems like. But I remember when this was happening where they were – when the album came out, they had kind of – there was like a thrash band on every single block. You know, mm -hmm. there were so many thrash bands and it had been, it had been just kind of like – The genre was kind of done to death, right? Oversaturated. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a clip in that same folder, Eric. But the guy in the crow. Remember the guy in the the bad guy in the crow? Oh yeah. <laughs> he kind of he kind of described this like really well. And ironically, it was completely. Is it not the idea has become the institution? Yeah, if you play that, like that was like that's exactly huh. what Metallica was thinking. I was like, that's exactly what they thought. Here, I'll play that real quick. Let's see. I know what you're talking about. I remember, I love this movie. Yeah. So. Well, well, well. Devil's Night is upon us again. Problem is, it's all been done before. You see what I'm saying? There's no reason to quit. Wrong. Best reason to quit. Only reason to quit. Man, 
has an idea. The idea attracts others, like-minded. The idea expands. The idea becomes an institution. What was the idea? See, that's what's been bothering me, boys. Because I tell you, when I used to think about the idea itself, it put a big old smile on my face. The idea has become the institution, boys. Time to move along. <laughs> Time to move along. So, I mean, they went back to thrash, but I think at that point in 91, they were kind of like, where do we go? I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, they, they've said that multiple times. Like, they, they reached their pinnacle as far as, like, what they could do with thrash, and they wanted to do something else. That's really all it is. That Matt. quote you just played also is, is awesome because I was just recently thinking about that movie and that, that character at the end when he says, um, but you put a smile on my face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I just now realized that's a callback to that, that line there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That movie is so great. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like we were saying, they've said this so many times that it's it's just they wanted to write shorter songs. They wanted to mm-hmm. be more simplistic. I mean, they've said, so, you know, I remember Kirk on one of these podcasts and he said this multiple times before too, you know, he remembers being on stage during the justice tour in the middle of the song at justice for all and seeing like eyes just glazed over, like people just like literally losing interest while they're sitting there playing on stage. Yeah. And he's just, Which, you know, I, I know I, that might be exaggeration. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that is a very, that's an extraordinarily long song. It is repetitive. I mean, every single rock and roll song is never going to be, you know, avant-garde, you know, fusion jazz where like, right. insanity is going on nonstop and you never know what's going to happen next. You know what the fuck is coming next in every single one of the songs on Injustice for All. Yeah. You know, when it came down to it, you knew what was going to be coming next eventually with everything that came out on, you know, Metallica's Metallica. Right. You know, I mean, these guys weren't, these guys weren't creating anything brand new. They were changing the way they were doing things in order to, I really would say, you know, adapt. I mean, let's, let's, I mean, the biggest thing when it comes to Metallica is they opened the rest of the world, you know, to kind of the metal genre or maybe just thrash. I mean, let's face it, the glam metal had been, you know, overproduced and, and just such an eyesore of the industry overall. Yeah. Uh, and, and Metallica came up and became this enormous entity and this icon. And they just, you know, I, I think the, you know, the, the kind of relation you just stated earlier about Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses with Appetite Destruction, you know, set the fucking bar. And that album was phenomenal. Yeah. Just the instrumentation and everything like that but let's face it they definitely have a little touch of the more glam and rock and roll oh, yeah. side of things yeah. they're really any kind of thrash it's, it's questionable no, no, no. are they are, i mean are they even really metal they look to metal but their songs like, oh, are just rock. rock they're hard right? rock yeah they're yeah. like a newer aerosmith really yeah, right they're just hard rock i think they have the edge of metal, like you know yeah they axles, axles, yeah. And, they, and they're and they're, they're dangerous like well they yeah. their look they almost they stole their look from Hanoi Rocks, right? Like, yeah. Almost completely. And yes. then they just played like heavier rock songs. Yeah. So, but um, they were some talented motherfuckers, though. Who, who oh, what yeah. band did we just talk about recently where they, they um, 
they were saying how like the songs got to a point where they're so complicated, like you couldn't even do anything but concentrate on the song. Was oh, that was Voy- that was uh, Voy- yes, No, 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 no. That was Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. Oh, we talked sure. about that. Right. I don't remember that episode. <laughs> that was your that other was, podcast, Keith. That was that. That was that Keith only episode. We <laughs> yet to be released. It was called "Fuck You, Lars." The bonus. Track. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's part of it too with Metallica. They were probably like, "We or we'll be more complicated and faster on the next right, album." Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, if they had, it probably would have been fine. Who I mean, knows? Yeah. Exactly. They could have done it. And I'm sure all of the, the, their but, base would have still loved it, and yeah. no one but else. They would have been it, they would have been ACDC yeah. at that point, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just but what the they have what they have gotten as big as I mean, I mean they were no. big during Justice, but they wouldn't have yeah. gotten as big as they are no. now. No, without, no. I mean, without well, yeah, let's say you, you, you mentioned you mentioned ACDC. ACDC is legendary. Metallica would have never become what they are had this no. album not right. broken right. Th- those doors out. And In I fact, I would say ACDC went more. The, well, I think when Bon Scott died, they they said, "Well, here's our sound, and we're just going to do this album." They, yeah, for sure, pretty much. You yeah. know, yeah, because they were way their, their Bon Scott stuff sounds way. Well, some it's, of it it's edgier. So, a lot of it sounds way, way way more different than the yeah Brian Johnson stuff. But uh, then that kind of begs the question of like, so I mean, you'll read people say, "Okay, well, the songs on the Black Album are great songs, but not for a thrash band, so they're not good." Which is but that doesn't I think make it's sense. A, it's a really that's, strange thing to say. That's, that's the big thing about that whole sellout argument. It's like, well, okay, fine, but what if Metallica had come out with this album and that was their like debut album, right? In nineteen ninety one, you wouldn't have been. You can't say that sounded like anything, you know? Right. It was right. out. What do you think? What could you compare it to that was out at that time? Because the songs are heavier than anything that was on the radio at the uh, back I mean, then. There's also including there's also a slower tempo. There's also a slower tempo right, to uh, right. a number of them. That, but that's you know. the, but that doesn't mean it, it sounded like other things. It was just a tempo. No. Yeah. Which I think that had a lot to do with them playing arenas as well. You know, to sl- slow the tempos down so the songs sound better in an arena environment because an arena is not a good place to play thrash. I mean, it, the sound just no, bounces all over the place yeah. in, a, in, a, in a place like the Capitol Center. Right. It sounds better nowadays, but... Back then, you know, Jiffy Lube Live. Yeah, I think that was part of the decision. Was like we're playing these bigger places, and you know, battery doesn't sound as good, you know, in row. Yeah, they've said that too. <laughs> they definitely said that too. Yeah, yeah. But also so, think about what was, was going on in music at the time and metal, really too. Like, you know, you didn't have a lot of like thrash was still there, but it's still, you know, yeah, it wasn't. I don't know. I feel I like mean, this, I, this was the shift of like the grunge and everything too. So yeah. Yeah, like, but they didn't know that was coming. Yeah, well, maybe, to, well, 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 not when they were yeah. writing the album. For sure, they didn't. Yeah, know. no. But, in nineteen ninety. Well, maybe they had. Yeah. Maybe there was some inertia they knew that, like just like that thing from the crow that you played. Really yeah, cool. I think I think that's more what it was. Was they knew like this this bubble's about to burst. Like this, it's oversaturated. Yeah, yeah. the thrash stuff is kind of, and it, it's, it's done what it can do. It's reached the well. Moment. Not to mention, not to mention. Let's face it. You know, as as I think we stated earlier. You know, every single major label was had been for the last four years trying to just regurgitate exactly what had been done before. So everything as, that as they do with out, every genre. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Everything that they just they're just finding somebody that did the exact same thing and trying to capitalize on it. And as much as I'm sure, you know, those you know, the bands that we laugh at, you know, the enough's enough and uh you know <laughs> Trickster. 
<laughs> exactly. You know, all those bands made some cash for a short period of time. You know, that was garbage, and it should have probably it destroyed the integrity of the genre because of you know, no. the industry itself trying to capitalize on, on revenue. Well, what, what what about our expectations? I want to kind of go into this discussion, like when when Huge we were for this, right? Yeah, oh like, yeah, of course. This was I remember being in high school, being in, I think it was in I think it was ninth grade when the song came out, right? Ninety one. Uh, I was, no, well, I was I was, no. I was, I was a tenth. sophomore. I was a sophomore. I was I was yeah. a sophomore. No. I was working at Pizza no. Hut. I think yeah, we were I, in I was I was a sophomore. So you well, it came out August. It came out August. We were going into a sophomore year. Yes, we were. The build up had been like towards the end of our freshman year. I remember as far back as like eighth grade, people asking me because I was wearing my Metallica shirt. When's what's what's the new Metallica album coming out? Where's the new Metallica album coming out? I was like, I don't know. I'm not in the fucking band. Um, but yeah, since you know, we had just got into metal probably four years prior. You know, really hardcore, and this was, you know, just as it come out. I think we all remember when that came out, and this was like the next big one. So yeah, this is. It was like, even later for for me, probably Keith too. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. No, I, me for me it was eighty six, so this is this is five years running. Yeah, yeah. eighty nine I mean, is when I found music. I, you know, eighty eight. But I probably I think maybe was Guns when I got into Guns N' Roses or started yeah. to, and then yeah, and then they followed right after that. So this yeah, you're right. This was like this was probably the the first. Yeah, this was definitely the first album that I was like hugely like yeah. I read articles and articles and articles yeah, yeah, yeah. and all the magazines about it, and um, I I know. The, at least the three of us. I don't know about Keith, but we we bought that on that day. Oh yeah, of oh, course. Absolutely. That morning, actually got yeah. up early for once. I had to go out. Well, I, I, had I think you woke me up when you got home. I had to I had to get a ride <laughs> to Springfield Mall from my parents because I couldn't. Wow, so. that is a hell of a ride. <laughs> well, it was summer, it's, so we weren't in school. So you know, yeah, as, as soon they as, had to get off of work and take us to uh, Sam Goody or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I mean that, that's this. I think I've already told this story, but you know, for me, like. We we found out that we, the day it was coming out, you know, my brother, myself, and our friend down the street, Bill, and all of us were enormous Metallica fans. And of course, we found out when it's coming out, and that day, both my brother and Bill had to work. They both had jobs. I was still fifteen, so I didn't have one. So it became my job to figure out a way to get over to Kent Mill Records <laughs> to buy the damn thing. Now, of course, I was fifteen and didn't have a didn't even a driver's permit yet. I still was. I just turned fifteen. Yeah, and uh, I was sitting there pacing back and forth. Well, my family had uh, relatives coming to town. Wait, you I hadn't had... you hadn't turned fifteen yet? Hadn't? No, I would have just been ninety one I mean, August August twelfth, nineteen ninety one. Okay, yeah. So I would have turned fifteen six a week, days week, later, week later. Yeah, six days <laughs> later. Wow, okay. one way or another. That, yeah, when this thing came out, and I'm sitting there just pacing back and forth because I'm pissed off. I've got the money from my friend and my brother. I'm not even going to be buying a copy for myself, but I'm just like, oh, what the hell am I doing? And of course, my family has all these relatives in town, and they could just see I'm just sitting there like pacing back and forth. And my uncle Tom is just like, hey, you know. And I finally, I'm, I'm just like frustrated. I'm pissed off, and my mom's just like, you need to relax. And 
one way or another, <laughs> my Uncle Tom was just like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I, I have to get to the store. I have to buy this because I'm sitting there absolutely expecting, like, you know, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I am you expecting ask for a ride. Like, that's the one thing. My Uncle Tom was just like, yeah, hey, I'll give you a ride. Like, you will? And it's just like, oh my God, he doesn't understand what I'm going to be buying here. Oh my God, he's going to go to hell. You're not buying drugs. Oh my God. Well, one way or another. And that's the one thing. Like, I still remember, like, we get into his car. You know, they came down from, uh, you know, I think he lived in New Jersey or something at the time. When he was around Philly. But one way or another. He drives me over to Kemp Mill. It's like a three minute car ride. I Is am that- expecting utter bedlam. I'm expecting yeah. motherfuckers stabbing each other. And it's just like, I'm just like walking into, you know, Kent Mill. We all know what I'm talking about. Was this oh, yeah. the one right across from Woodson? Oh, of course. In Fairfield okay. Mall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And, I, and I walk in there. And of course, I'm pretty sure there was like a little like display and the album sitting there. And I just walked over, grabbed two. I was expecting, you know, to get oh, jumped yeah. or somebody to stab oh, me. Oh, my God. I, Good I, Lord, least, I grabbed two. I walk <laughs> over. I put I put them on the, I put them on the, uh, you know, the, the thing. And I, I figured like the. You know, the cashier's going to be like, oh, you what? did it. You, how did you? Congratulations. But no, Congratulations. No, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, uh, you four, did it. $14.95, please. Like, I handed the cash, and you know, they hand it back to me, and I'm like, I just walk out, get in the car. And, of course, what sucked is, you know, neither of these were for me. So I couldn't even fucking listen to the fucking thing. I, it, it was one for my brother and one for my friend Bill. Would your brother so, really mind it if you'd opened the Yeah, just yes, the thing open. Yes, he would have. Dude, at this point in my life, you know, I had a <laughs> tape case of 30 cassettes that hadn't been filled yet. I, you know, most of what I had was all dubbed from my brother and, and Bill. And, you know, I, you I know, can't I had, imagine he would be <laughs> One way or another, I didn't listen to it until he got home. And it was just like, oh. And then, of course, oh my you know, God. We, we did, yes. And then he got off work. We got to listen to it, you know. I think we had to spend t- more time with, you know, my all, my all of my grandfather's, you know, relatives. You know what, and you know what's crazy is they don't – they had only released Inner Sandman by then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I think it's yeah. it's pretty common mm-hmm. to have two singles out now or, or I don't even – I don't even know what now, they do now. Yeah, but but yeah, I feel like do, that's but- – like I think Ghost, I don't remember they what they did I, then. I, Mast, Mastodon, they they've released two before the yeah. album comes out. I think that's no, Gujira did was, three. I think right. Yeah, Gujira did three. Yeah, there were three. Yeah. yeah, but Sandman was about two weeks before the album came out, so we were it already was sick of on it July twenty ninth. So yeah, yeah, we were in Florida when it came out. Yes, we were on vacation at our aunt's house. Yeah, staying at our aunt's house. Yep. And watching, oh. staying up late to watch that video. Did you think you were going to get stabbed? <laughs> No, no, but I mean, if I was in Florida now, I might think that. But. Keith yeah. was living out that Quebec version of their what's it called? Uh, is it Metallica Quebec or you know oh, Quebec Magnetic? The, I think right. Yeah, Quebec with Magnetic. with like the uh, the little scenes in there with the the gang violence and all that. Oh, that that was through the never. Oh, through the never. Yeah, yeah, yeah through yeah. the never. That's it. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's picturing okay. that. Yeah, people hanging yeah, right. and stuff. Like yeah. <laughs> There's just riots everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> cars getting smashed at, in. At Kemp Mill Records. <laughs> Watch out for the riots in at Kemp Fair Mill. City Mall in Fairfax City. It's <laughs> dangerous. The the slums of Fairfax City. Don't go yeah. near the Einstein Brothers bagels. There's going to be dangerous people <laughs> over there. <laughs> well, I don't think we were surprised by the album itself because we we had heard interviews with the band on Metal Shop for the entire summer, and they were talking about how it's going to be a little bit different. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Especially Jason was like, guys, just be ready because this is a little bit different. It might take a few listens to get used to. So yeah. it didn't really – I don't recall being surprised by it. 
I remember our neighbor wasn't too thrilled with it. And uh, our brother, Stephen, was, he liked it, but he had a couple issues with it as well. Really? I didn't know so, that. He didn't like Nothing Else Matters. And then Tim Caperso was like, he thought the Skid Row album was better. Oh, come he said the he fuck didn't, on. He didn't like, <laughs> he, he didn't Shots like fired. the, gro- like, he's like, what's all this groove shit they're doing now? What's all this fucking groove shit? <laughs> and why is it so slow? You know. He mispronounced good. <laughs> right. What? <laughs> groove. I said you mispronounced good. What's all this good shit? He was, he was saying yeah. Slave of the Grind is a heavier album than the Black Album. Yeah. Whatever. I was like, no. What the f-? Well, we also had an awesome review from Lon Friend to, uh. Oh, yeah. Whoa! The tracks. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I think I have it queued up here. <laughs> Sad it but up. true. Gotta turn it up. Sad but true. Crushing bass on this song. <laughs> hold on, I gotta rewind it. <laughs> he sounds like uh, the teacher from Beavis and Butthead. Now yeah, let's flip does. it He'll over. Like right. Whoa, the tracks. <laughs> Enter Sandman. You've seen that video here on MTV. Stuart. Stuart. Stick it in the hole, Stuart. <laughs> Whoa, the tracks. <laughs> One more time. Crushy. Whoa, the tracks. <laughs> we should use that every time we're talking about an album now. Yes. Before we, st- yes, before we, we stop should. talking about the song. Here's our every- next segment. Whoa, right, the tracks. Let's get into track one. Whoa. <laughs> That's right. Whoa, the tracks. Here's the logo. Now let's flip it over. Whoa, the tracks. <laughs> 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 uh, he also in that clip he does mention that this that's the Metallica Black album. Yeah, he does say that. Which which, uh, which everybody already knew. Uh, yeah. Let's 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 get into that after we you know. Okay. okay. I I, yeah, I still yeah. don't understand. Well, we can get into yeah, it now. I, I'm not I'm not going to play. All right, all right, right. Yeah, go thing. ahead, go ahead, because I don't understand this. Who the Ron hell? is timeless. We can play. Who him didn't whenever. call it the Black Album? I think no, everybody, everybody. Everybody was. Everybody I don't know why. Yeah, that Metallica on their latest podcast were saying that. Oh, the the Black Album didn't come until. Weeks, maybe months later. No, <laughs> no. It was There's even immediate. a clip from Lars from Metal Shop saying you can call it the Black Album. You can call it whatever you yeah. want. Yeah, it, that's th- that was before the album it. came out. Yeah, yeah. With after Spinal Tap, come on. Yeah, like, it, it was obviously. immediately the Black Album. I mean, they were even saying on, if you watch the what is it, Year and a Half of Life, where they're showing that they they first get the the pressing of the yeah, you know, the, the, what the mm. album cover looks like, and they they, sh- they showed more the black, cameras right? like, look, none more black. So yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, I don't know if they were talking they about it. It's probably all selective memory. Yeah, they're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of brain damage. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. like, we were, you know, we were on the same age, so I think I was sixteen, um, not yet sixteen when this when we heard Inner Sandman. And yeah, I mean, I was blown away. That was, you know, yeah, that's, sounds that's awesome. Blown away. Blown away. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was. I mean. I knew it was a little bit different, you know, and and the album as well. I knew it was a little bit different, but I didn't have an issue with it. I don't recall being like, well, this sucks or like, I mean, there was, I was a big fan of Lars's double bass. So I thought it was, right. that was probably the only thing really missing from the album was a good amount of double bass. And there is some hidden on a Wolf of, a Wolf of Man has some really fast double bass. But I, oh, hey, we're not talking about that. I know, but I just, <laughs> when we get there, we'll, we'll pull it up for everybody, but it's buried. It's actually I know. Double bass. I want to I want to talk about that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But I mean, that was probably the only thing that really kind of like bothered me was like, well, he cut back on the double bass. But other than that, I thought it was solid. I mean, the songs are great. I didn't. I definitely didn't feel like betrayed. You know, which was a huge one of the big words thrown around about this uh, this album is betrayed. You know, I think betrayer. Yeah. Betrayal. <laughs> 
I think if you're a, a fan of nothing but thrash and even the heavier metal than thrash, like the yeah. grindcore, whatever you want to call it, then of course you're going to be disappointed with this album. You're not going to like this album. And I get if you're if you're a fan of that kind of music and you don't like Metallica's music after Injustice for All Agree, that's that's fair. Fine. Yeah, I get it. But if you're a little open-minded and you like all different kinds of music, and I don't understand why you wouldn't like this album if you were a Metallica fan. I know there's a lot of them out there that are, but I just don't get it. I mean, it's that, you know, it's the Big Mac argument. You know, you wanted a Big Mac and they gave you Flayed Fish. I said it before on a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. That, yeah. They, they, had, they at the, up to, and Justice for All had created a product that people expected to hear. I mean, they wanted to hear speed metal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get it this time around. So they're like, well, this sucks. I mean, I, I understand the argument. I just don't. Well, applying that whole sellout thing, I think, is... is yeah, it's not selling out. Even just, though we, we just we had talked about how they, they knew they were going to try to sell more albums. Like, like they wanted to get to that next level. But it, I always go back to that Tool song where I sold out long before you, you knew my name. You know? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. everybody's doing this. To, as soon as you take money for a gig, you're selling out. Well, yeah. uh, no, you yeah, disagree? I mean, I mean, there's an integrity in what you're doing, and if if you stay honest to what you're doing, instead of flat out, you know, with you know all of the glam metal clones, you know, that we were just talking about, you know, mm-hmm. th- there isn't a lot of integrity to that it, when it comes to Metallica. Well, who says it, that it, though? I mean, I I do. I mean, I, I think integrity. That, how though? There's honesty in what you're creating. That you know, you actually. Just like, you know, if somebody is putting a car together, you know, you, you want to utilize the best materials, you want to create the best product. It's not, it's not a just, car, it's a... It's a it, I think yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a piece of music. It's, it's so art. I think, just, his point, I think his point is that if some band is doing one thing and then they see that the glam is blowing up and they switch to being a glam band, mm. they've lost their integrity. You know, like the, if they're just rock like band, Pantera. See, okay, fine. Like Pantera, <laughs> but in reverse. In reverse. <laughs> in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> so, Keith, do you think that they lost integrity by kind of ditching the well, I mean, speed that, that's, metal? That's the whole. That's the big question. It's just like you know, why would they do that? Because I mean, let's face it, there weren't. I mean, you look at puppets. You know, who else was doing it as well as them? Sure, you could say Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax. You know, but. You know, uh, as as we've already kind of relayed, they had already come to the point where they felt, you know, overburdened by what they were doing to try and kind of come become virtuosos within thrash was virtually impossible. I mean, let's face it, when you're playing that fast, you can't really kind of, as much as you could, you know, Engve, Melmstein, like, some, some guard guitar solos and Hammett is more than capable <laughs> of doing that. You know, what else are you going to do with your rhythm section? You know? Uh, so, I mean, they, they wanted to try something different and that's what they did. I mean, the funniest thing I still remember, you know, uh, the Dave Lombardo, like when he first got it, he threw it down the stairs, <laughs> he said, you know, and he says it wasn't a metal album. And I just, I don't understand that because it's definitely a metal album. Oh yeah, it's oh just, yeah. It's just not. It's not the Metallica same kind of metal album, that you know, Metallica it, had done well, before. I mean, that's the whole thing. It wasn't a Metallica album. It was, as I think you even relayed, you know, it, it wasn't what their fans. It wasn't that was progression from right. what they'd been on. 
See, but I think if they buy your Zeeb to enter Sandman, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's. A but I think if they were if they were selling thing. out to Joe's point earlier, they would have been they would have been trying to write something that sounds like what was popular at the time. But again, to Joe's Damn. point, this didn't sound like anything at the time. Like they weren't they weren't writing something that sounds like you know Bon Jovi, that, you know, or whatever right. was was the big stadium this, music. I mean, at the that's time. the one thing. It, that's the one thing. But that's the whole thing. What was popular in '91, and not that when they were writing these songs in 1990. They even yeah. knew it was going to be popular in 91. Nobody knew it was going to be popular in a year. No. Yeah. So well, that's a, they, go ahead. This album, I mean, there's, it, it conceivably could have flopped. No. Like, no. It was a big risk, yeah. Yeah. They, they decided to do something different, and these songs didn't sound like really anything that I can compare it to at that time. Mm-hmm. And it could have easily been a, a disaster for them. So it was a huge risk. But I think, I think they made the right gamble. I think history. No, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's one of. Uh, it it one seems of, to have worked worked out well for them in the end. Yeah. What, what is it? One of <laughs> one of three albums to stay on the the top. Was it top one hundred or top two? Like top five hundred. I think it's top, top one hundred. Yeah, it remains on the top one. This and Dark Side of the Moon and like the Beatles best, like the best yeah. of the Beatles or something like that. And it went back to number one. Yeah, it <laughs> with did. the reissue when the, when the reissue came out, it went back to number <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, obviously they made the right decision. Uh, uh, so <laughs> uh, for their success, anyway. Um, yeah. Other people may disagree with that that they made the right decision, but uh, you know, whatever, I mean, man. Yeah. Get the I fuck mean, out of my face with that shit. Look at this Slayer. Thing. Like Slayer got kind of boring after Seasons in the Abyss. Mm. One more album. Yeah. <laughs> the next album was good. It was. It was. I mean, it was good, but it was getting to be like. Exactly. This is. I mean, what you, guys you, do look, and... you look. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. You look at the genre. You know, was you know by the mid '90s, was you know, I don't know if you could say it imploded on itself, but it completely, you know, new metal it grew. Exactly. It was just like you know what we got to come up with a different way to do things, and new metal was definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's definitely metal. It's definitely still part of that genre, but it's definitely not anything like what they were doing in 1991. Yeah. Also, so yeah, like I think there was a a confluence of uh, heavy, well, all really all metal had kind of oversaturated itself with that sound that it was in, and um, and then you also at the at, right at the same time, I, I I don't even know if they're somehow correlated, but you know, grunge really hit the scene. And it was for, a month later, really, I mean, we yeah, I mean, but but for like. Us as metal fans, like grunge was like easily like, yep, we this is different and we love it. Yeah, and it yeah. fits right in. They kind of sing about the same shit. Yep. Yeah. You know, like I, I was just in a different Easy way. To digest for sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and it was actually like you couldn't really separate a lot of these bands like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. You could easily just make the argument they were just new versions of metal bands. At that Absolutely. Point. I mean, they oh, yeah. <laughs> they say themselves we were you know we were influenced by Black Sabbath and yeah, right know, bands like that. It's like those yeah, two especially, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so it, it's just a different kind of metal, really. And then think of the other bands that um, put out albums. You know, the, the year following this, yeah, Megadeth is the huge example. Like, yeah, like, complete. Yeah. They completely. That's yeah. That's yep. the thing. This they, they Metallica has the sound. yeah. They had the flexibility to, to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. They have, and I don't, I I don't know I how think. much of it was they were. They, Dave Mustaine saw the shift. And said, oh, he I, did. I think we need to do this too. Oh yeah, definitely. 
He definitely did. Slayer, Slayer I, I, don't, doubled, I, don't, I don't know if it was Slayer as drastic. Slayer down and stayed, you know? Even yeah. Overkill put out their worst album of their all time. <laughs> when it came in 1990, was it 93? 93, 93 yeah. Because they, I think they were trying to be grungy or something, something. on that album. But I don't know. Like yeah. this was a just a huge paradigm shift in the in the music genre for metal. Yeah, it was. A lot and of bands. I, I don't know how much Metallica this. knew it was coming and changed, or maybe they just decided to do it and every all these other bands decided I think to it's, do it too. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I don't think it was – I don't think they knew – it was going to be this much of a shift because of them. So their timing was very, very fortuitous. Yeah. On this. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they're, they're kind of selfish in terms of like what they want to put out musically. They they yeah. would kind of please themselves, and if you like it, that's great. And if you don't, well, want that's to that's a, that's my exact point. That's not a sellout. <laughs> you know, yeah. if they're doing it for yeah. themselves and they're writing the music that they want to write and putting it out there for people to digest however they want to, that's not selling out. Selling out would be writing songs that sound, or having people other other people write your songs, or, you know. Yeah. Ooh, 311. <laughs> shh, shh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay, so I understand. I, I, I get your point with that, Keith, as far as. Damn straight, motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Bob, Bob Rock did, did change the sound. Sonically. I hope you learned your but, lesson. It did, and it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the sound was drastically changed, but much for the better. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I One thing don't that, uh, know I'd say that. I mean, what? I'm sorry. Their I sound, mean, the sound of the album, not not the oh, song. Okay, like, okay, the production, yeah, the production, production level, and how everything, yeah, the that. fact that you can hear bass. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm talking about yeah. the yeah the production, the mixing, all that. Not not the yeah. you know not the not songs. The, yeah, but the sound not, of the album. Not the drastic tempo change, not the... Uh, right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there was, uh, well, well let's let's all talk. Let's talk about this because I mean that's a big thing. I still remember when the album came out. You know, my my sophomore year of high school started and uh, PE class. There's this kid uh, Alec, and he's just like, "All right, Keith, well, what do you think about the new Metallica?" I of course responded, "Greatest album that's ever been recorded. This was this is so drastic." It's, it's mind blowing how they could have done this, and of course, I'm just regaling, just like you know, jerking myself. Off. My kids are upstairs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. One way or another, you know, I was just you know rolling over about how like oh, I can't believe how 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 could they be this incredible? And uh, you know, Alec flat out responded, just kind of rolling his eyes with his tongue, just like yeah, of course you're saying that. It's brand new, you know. It's a band that you love. You're, you're, you're going, you have to love it. You're, you're programmed to love it. You're <laughs> never going to think it's going to be garbage. I guarantee you, you know, give it a little time and you're going to come back and think this thing sucks. And he was right. Mm. I mean, I don't think it wow. sucks. I don't think it's, I don't think it sucks, but it's definitely when, when I want to grab a Metallica album. I mean, let's face it. I was saying when we first started talking about this, I totally forgot that, you know, one of these songs even existed. I did too. <laughs> You know, this is the other, you know, I have not listened to this album in 20 or 30 years, you know, it, it, it's, it's mind blowing. I, I hadn't listened I to it front to back in a while. Yeah. I mean, a bit of like, well, front so, to back for me too. But. So where's this Alec now? Where's this I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he ended up graduating with us. I think he died. <laughs> I think he died of cancer in, in high school and Jesus. nobody cared. <laughs> Or, or maybe if, he just what, moved. 
Eh, what if this whatever. album had like, what if it opened with uh, a, a thrash song, and then maybe the fifth or sixth song was a, like a speed, like a speedy song, and then it closed with a speed, speedy song? Would it be? Would people be? Oh, okay, you know, it's it's because they kind of do that. They they most of their albums have fast songs and then new tempo songs and slow songs. Yeah. I mean, even like Ride the Lightning had opens no, with a fast true. song. Yeah, Lightning is slowish and then has fast parts. Fade to, is, is, <laughs> Fade to Black is Bells slow. Bells is, is slow. slow. Creeping Death is mid-tempo. Call, call Bell, like a two the bell tolls? Come on. That's totally slow. I mean... Yeah. Wait, we learned how to say that word correctly. <laughs> yeah. Call of... Anyway. Yeah. So I was wondering, actually, what if they had taken Struggle Within and like doubled the length of the song and open the album with that because when they play the album, when they play this whole album back, uh, you know, front to back, they play the album in reverse order. They actually open with Struggle Within and close yeah. with Inner Sandman, and <laughs> it works really, really well. I know, Joe, you're not a big fan of that song, but the way they do it, they actually extend the opening. They make right. it a little heavier. I, I, and I am a fan of that song. I, okay. I, and there's a there's a riff. We'll get into the song later on, but there's a riff that they only. It's probably the best just, riff in the song. There's and just they, something about it. Well, I, th- I think that's what it needed was I think it needs better lyrics and I think there's a part in it that needed to be really stretched out to almost like a blackened middle part because there's this really heavy rip that you could have half-timed the drums. You could have opened the album with Struggle Within with different lyrics and it would have been it would have been kind of cool. Of, I bet people would like it a lot. Yeah, because like, you go from Dyer's Eve to this thrashier album thing. That's like, like 16 times platinum. It's hard to say that. Yeah, that I know. And I mean, understand, man. Understand. It's, it should have, I think understand is the correct way to do it for what this album is supposed to be doing, you know, the intent yeah, of it sure. and whatnot. But if you want to have like a, some kind of a continuity between justice and then going into this new era, I think struggle within is a good way to, to get you there. Gets, it's a bridge to this newer sound. And it, it could have been, it could have been really expanded. It could have been like a six minute long song with a big chunky middle part. And I have that, the live thing. Um, yeah. I was going to play that if you want. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, 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 yeah, just play it's it. Long, you'll get the, but... It's a little long, but you'll get the sense of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Why don't we just make our own cover version of it? That probably we could. We could. It's actually good. I know we could. Yeah. Like imagine this is how the album opens. With the crowd? Not the crowd. <laughs> no crowd. Just that, that riff and... That sounds pre-recorded to me. Oh, it is. It is. It is. They just, they did this uh, for the live show. That's even longer, isn't it? Yes. It's all yeah. stretched out. You could put more guitar harmonies there, too. Yeah, you could. More justice type stuff. Yeah, you got descending part with it. Mm-hmm. That's very black and deep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. That would have been awesome. Yeah. It would have been yeah. awesome. I mean, it really would have been <laughs> such a great way to open the album. I want to talk about uh, lyrical content on this album a little bit. Um, 
and the vocals really because i mean that's another big change from justice to this album or the vocals yeah. and the lyrics are are quite different from justice really um yeah he's not screaming all the way through yeah so i'll start with lyrics this little thing that james talked about with uh lyric, lyrical content on this album the only way was to really go in inward and a little more universal uh, when you start talking about your own feelings and uh, more just l kind of questions about life and things that that touch everyone um, you can't go wrong with that you know once you start talking about your own feelings uh, and a little less about the outside world there's another clip too hold on this was this, this is a metal shop yeah radio show there's a little more about the lyrical change whereas songs in the past have dealt with political or social issues the tunes on this record probably contain the most personal lyrics james hetfield has ever written he spoke to metal shop about the change getting the things from within was a lot harder and more gratifying though in the end for me on the justice thing it was it was more of a kind of socially conscious type thing and i found it that it was it, it was too easy to sit down and watch cnn and you know oh there's a song oh oil spill there's a song and you know it got too easy and when it's easy it's no fun you know and uh trying to dig stuff out was more of a challenge and we're always up for challenges james hetfield and metallica that guy's voice james james's voice is so high there I I think about, he's, my, he's, he's almost 30 at this point right it might have been my cassette player i think it plays things too fast <laughs> yeah i'm looking at the, the track listing of the songs i think the only one that is kind of like outwardly looking or or you know i shouldn't say political but um not a, an introspective viewpoint is is probably don't tread on don't me, tread right? on me yeah. yeah 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 even a wolf and man has a, a very like uh, introspective it does mm -hmm. yeah. feel to it, it, you know? it does it does yeah do, do, do you know just about, it's about it has the word i wrong? I hunt, therefore I am. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we well, can get to it. We talk about it, but it's not about werewolves. <laughs> it's about hunting one. Well, it's I'm... about killing them. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to maybe holier yeah. than thou is kind of. It's still, it's still about you know. It's that's your relationship, emotion, but it's, it's more yeah. about like fuck you for judging me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah. still, yeah, these are, and it's not like he hasn't touched on that shit way. Throughout their their catalog, probably true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I, maybe nothing on Kill 'Em All, probably right. I don't think anything in there is, um, you know, yeah. self reflective or. No, I don't well, think so. well what metal like... militia? <laughs> Phantom Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the lightning! Mean, jump in the fire when he's talking. You know, <laughs> yeah. the original lyrics, definitely. Original, yeah. They oh, would have been the Mustang lyrics, yeah. But <laughs> like my pistons bulge. But that's that's, <laughs> that's mechanics. Oh, sorry. But you can see how you. Well, no, but it's the same. It's the it same is thing. Yeah. same thing. The dump, jump, jump of the fire lyrics were worse, though. Can you? Ima I can't imagine. Oh, why that's right. They were different. Okay. How could Dave Mustaine, a sixteen-year-old, write a song about wanting to have sex? <laughs> what kind of weirdo is he? Well, James talked about that on the podcast too. The fact that the, the kill he actually compared Kill 'Em All to these lyrics. He's like, Kill 'Em All was like, you know, bang your head against the stage and you know, fucking all that stuff and was, nothing was, but living it's metal. All, and all that. It's all fucking teenage metal. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And this is way and more personal. Guys, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
nothing else matters. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's the most personal you could get really, yeah. writing for Metallica, Metallica at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, vocally too. You, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say, did you want, I mean, do you want to incorporate this, the subject of lyrics as we talk about the songs or do you want to just kind of. Yeah, we can touch them? on that a little more when we talk about the songs. Because um, Inner Sandman's about being like scared of all sorts of shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And originally it was about crib death. <laughs> originally it was about crib death. Yeah. <laughs> but well, we'll I get sleep in a crib, so I deal with that every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many people? Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that when we talk about that. But yeah, I want to talk about vocals. I mean. Yeah. I think that was. And again. Was this a, was this a bit, is this a Bob Rock influence too? I would mm-hmm. imagine. Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. for sure. Um, let me see. I have some clips on that too. Uh, here, here's one. I think he talked a little bit about losing his voice, but I think he talks about his vocals on this one too. I did actually lose my voice on the Black Album. Uh, I pushed it too hard, and that's actually what got me into a maintenance program and, and taking a lesson. <laughs> he does the. I went to this white. guy who was a cantor for a a, a church or you know a synagogue, and I walked in and I. I was so scared. <laughs> he was sitting there with the piano and, okay, la, 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 la. Oh, no. So, you know, and I looked up on the, on the wall and I saw a few gold records from other bands. Like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot here. And he got my voice back into shape to where I actually uh, could produce a note again. Because <laughs> it was bad. It was, you know, I had nodes, calluses and all of that. And he got it back into shape. And, uh it definitely built my confidence, and you know, I didn't end up singing like a, a opera singer. Even <laughs> if I wanted to, I can't do it. You know, I'd still sing like a sailor. <laughs> uh, Sixteen was the other one you're looking for. Sing like a sailor. Oh yeah, okay, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, this is Bob yeah. Rock on James's singing. The simplicity in the songs left it wide open for vocals to take over, and that was kind of a first time. Uh, usually, the vocals f- for me were. Well, someone's got to sing, and there's got to be words in the song, so I'll do it. I just said to James, I said, you know, if we can get it so, um, you know, one track of vocals can can sound great, uh, people are going to relate to that. There's, they're going to hear that there's one person singing it. And uh, I tried to bring out the person, and, and that's he ended up really liking the sound. And in terms of the relationship with James that I had, I think that really broke the ice. Good, but it just needs a little more uh, soul or character, a little more head feel in there. I'd I'd never be where I was today without his willingness to to push me farther and and uh, get me to open my mind a little more about different singing styles, different microphones, different feels, uh, getting into different moods and things like that with the vocals. Yeah, when he said when Bob Rock said um, doing one track. Yeah, I don't know if you caught that, but this is something you talked about on the, the podcast recently too, the Metallica podcast, where um, all the other Metallica albums were he did double he doubled the vocals when mm-hmm. he did them, so he would sing one track and he would just sing over top of that same track. The same he would thing. do it. He would do it like lyric by lyric, like one line, stop, right. yeah, do another take, and so it was perfectly matched. It was always doubled per- perfectly, which is insane. And Bob Rock's like, "You do what?" Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah, that's it's just a, really a weird yeah. way of recording. Well, I'm yeah. sure it was a lack of confidence in his vocals. I think yeah. so. Like, yeah, back so. like if he if he cracked a little or something, he wanted to have a, a cover. And and they didn't they do that with their guitars a lot too. 
Like yeah, they rack them for no reason. Like, like, guitars is, I mean, that was that's part of regular. what that's everyone normal, did. Yeah. yeah. I think they still, do, still that. do that every day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 I, think I think so. so. Layering, yeah. Yeah, but, but the vocals, I've never heard anyone double tracking vocals before. That's kind of weird. Really we didn't double track the instinct demo. <laughs> <laughs> we did guitar. No. We double track guitar. Uh, no shit. Yep. Yep. Mm. I, did, I, did, I did the guitar parts twice on that. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Um, Everyone but me. <laughs> I'd forgotten. So <laughs> I, I've never double tracked my bass lines. <laughs> no, because you'll hear me fuck up twice as often. You don't remember because do I did it all in one take. That that's how fucking good I am. That's why you don't remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um. Anyway, I don't. I don't have much more on the vocals. I just wanted to point that out. That uh, you know, yeah. this was a big He's, departure I, I, for 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 him. For yeah, Mattel. yeah. It's, well, it's obvious, though. I th- I th- it should be obvious. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the two slow, the ballady songs, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's ballads. I mean, as much as he did, you know, he did do, you know, he sang in one easily, sure. you know. I mean, he, there, this is not, like Fade to Black as well, you know. So it, it's not necessarily that was brand new, but he definitely, you can tell that. There's there, more notes in the there, singing. Exactly. Now. Exactly. And there's more harmonies, too. There's more vocal harmonies yeah. in this album than, than anyone yeah. before. I mean, there were yeah. some little harmonies here and there, and one and stuff like that, but a lot of vocal harmonies on this compared. They to weren't other. exactly. Um, I don't know what the word is. They weren't. Uh, they were very basic harmonies too. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like Cantrell and and Staley. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Where the entire yeah. song is <laughs> vocal harmonized. Yeah. Uh, you want to get into a little listener? Feedback? We didn't do the album cover. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> Do we, <laughs> we can. We didn't do sure. Oh, well, where'd you get that idea, Metallica? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it's boring but iconic. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, that's kind of indicative of where their heads were in terms of like do you have going the, the opposite direction of these uh, elaborate. Know, yeah, these metal. elaborate. And, yeah. and I mean, I think it's also you know it should be stated that this wasn't like this is. You know the new white album. You know it wasn't trying to kind of no, you know, bounce no, off no, of what no, the Beatles no. did. This is just it was just a black album. You know? Spinal Tap did that, so they didn't have to yeah. pick up that. I, yeah, but Spinal Tap didn't try to do that. They wanted to smell the glove and got the well, <laughs> yeah. their manager made that decision. But um, what, what's wrong with being sexy? The, <laughs> sexist. Oh, did a twist, a twist on it. The. Uh, I think the cassette. You don't have the cassette, do you, Tim? Mm. I feel uh, like that was much more. Like you could see. I have it the, in the room. The colors, a little. You could see the, the contrast. The different, better, the different shades of black. I'll yes. see if I can find it. Next pee break. I'll see if I can find it because I think it's. <laughs> I got all my cassettes out recently, so it might be in that box. Uh, I can play a little Maybe. bit. Who knows what's gonna happen? Why? Why the album was called Metallica? I have a clip of Lars talking about why the album. Do was it. Metallica. Send it. Yeah, I yeah. don't know the answer to that. I think it might be because their band's name is Metallica. By the way, I find it kind of confusing right when I have to refer to both the band and the album as Metallica. After four albums with interesting names like Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, we asked Lars why the quartet decided on leaving this LP self-titled. From the word go, I mean, as, as far back as, as when we were writing last summer, it, it just seemed like that this, I don't know, just get away from a lot of that stuff with fancy titles and, you know, cartoon artwork and stuff like that. And we just... You know, talked about going like 
all the way, not even having a title, not you know, just leaving it, you know, kind of untitled or whatever. But in the 11th hour, just you know, we slapped the logo on the front cover, and it just seemed that uh, leaving it untitled and stuff just, I don't know, might be a little silly. So we kind of call it Metallica, but it's not really something kind of etched in stone, real. You know, we refer to it as the Metallica record, or you know, if anybody wants to call it, you know, the Black Album or Metallica Five or Metallica. You know, it's useless or Metallica sucks or whatever. I mean, it's pretty open. James Hetfield had That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Well, they should have put a big fucking V on it if they wanted it to be called Five. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it fits in obvi- with the, uh, the the direction they were going. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it makes sense. Yeah. Simplified, um, you know, music arrangements, simplified cover. Yep. Fuck it. Just name it after the band. Yep, yeah, yep. eponymous. Yeah, as it were, <laughs> makes perfect sense. Uh, should we do some listener feedback? Mm-hmm. Sure. And then oh, would... no. Okay, Landon Woods says, "Sell out." What a silly concept that they still get accused of that to this day. They proved, as they continue to do, that they can they can and will do what they want on their terms. This album brought metal to the mainstream. It was a turning point for heavy music. Everyone who listens to any metal that is remotely popular should be th- thanking them for this endeavor. Bob Rock is accused of changing their sound, but if you listen to the demos, the songs were already fashioned to meet their criteria of shorter and more to the point songs. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Uh, the songs are still undeniably heavy and even still have their thrash roots in small bits. That is oftentimes overlooked because of how polished the production is. I've heard from several hip-hop stars that they themselves cite the Black Album as a guidepost for stellar production. How amazing is that? All of this on a game-changing metal album that gets overplayed to this day. (laughs) Metals in all caps. Metal. Metal! Metal. Metal. Game-changing metal album that gets overplayed (laughs) to this day. He's emphasizing the metal. Yeah, I mean, good good points. We can can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I mean... I think we already he's, have. Yeah, but he's he's absolutely right. I mean, I'd never yeah. heard the hip hop uh, point, like yes. hip hop stars point to this yeah. album as a guidepost for seller production. But it's not surprising. I mean, the bass drum it's, and snare is perfect. Perfect. Yeah, it's oh yeah, that the drum sound is just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was this the first metal album to go number one, like proper metal album to go number uh, one. Not like I not think, a. I could swear, you know. I mean, I think. Didn't Use Your Illusion come out before this? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, same time, right? It was all like within a I month, think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think Use Your, Use Your Illusion came out after this, okay. I think, by like a month or so. I'm pretty sure. I'm not positive. I, I thought that they both came out in 91, was it not? I was like, no, no, but he's saying like, the, yeah. he's saying, I could like, swear I'm that, that I, I thought Use Your Illusion hit number one as a metal that's album what saying. first. Yeah. That's right. what I'm saying. Was this the very first... Proper metal album did number one, and he's saying it was Use Your Illusion before this, which also was number one. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, yeah. Anyway, this did bring proper metal to the mainstream a bit more than it already was. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, and we talked about it already, but yeah, they, the songs were not, again, we'll, I'll repeat it, they were not uh, changed by not. Bob Rock. <laughs> <laughs> not written or changed by Bob Rock in terms of. Arrangement uh, and arrangements, yeah. yeah, absolutely not. All right, well, thanks, Landon, for the feedback. Uh, who wants to read what Chris Dicciara had to say? I'll it's do it. long. It's not that long. 
All right, go for it. He just, he just split it up really well. Chris writes, he and he's got six points here. Number one, I remember being in my first band at the time and listening to this in the car once. We annihilated Nothing Else Matters, of course. <laughs> Number two, I went to a drum shop, to, uh, drum shop to buy my first snare, and I told the guy I wanted a drum that would sound like Lars's on the Black Album. I was met with some enlightening comments. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he had shared the comments. I know. I yeah, do, too. I know. Me, too. <laughs> we'll have to ask him next time he's on the show. I can uh, imagine what they were. Number three. Yeah. One of the best kick slash snare sounds ever recorded. We just said that, I think. Mm-hmm. We did. Look at that. Yeah. And he's a he's a proper drummer. He really is. So, yeah. he, he very is. much so. Professional. We we must be right. He gets paid to do it. <laughs> Unlike <Yeah>. the <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Burn. <laughs> Number four. One of the best documentaries. I don't know what he's referring to though. Year and a half. Year and a half. Year and a half. I'm oh, okay. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, okay. definitely. Five. Another enlightening moment was reading Lars's feature in Modern Drummer and talking about grooving more and playing like Phil Rudd. I needed to hear this. Number six. When it came out, my aforementioned band covered Inter Sandman, Wherever I May Roam, and a bit of Sad But True. What a bit? What do you mean a bit? They got to the solo and they was like, it's too hard. (laughs) (laughs) That solo's not that hard either. I think every cover band covered Inter Sandman and still does, actually. I know we did. Punishment did. Try to anyway. Wait, he says he also writes. I I realize I didn't really answer your question. What was the question, by the way, guys? Uh, I think it was just we were asking for feedback. Like, just what, feedback. What are your thoughts oh. on the album? Yeah. Oh. Okay. So uh, we didn't even ask the questions. Okay. He says I I think they have always had uh, I think they've always done what they wanted and this was what they wanted to do in that period of time. They could have easily continued what Justice did, but they surprised everyone by doing what they wanted only. When it comes down to it, it was uh, is part of. I think it was when it comes down to it, it is part of what's given them longevity. It is also healthy for them to do more groove oriented album because they sprinkle in that element here and that that here and here with their future. I think you meant there. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Here and there. Uh, let me reread that. It was also healthy for them to uh, do a more groove-oriented album because they sprinkle in that element here and there with their uh, future releases. They didn't really do that before the Black Album. And that's – I might agree with that. Well, you know, maybe, yeah, here and there on the previous uh, albums. I mean, but no, they yeah, really – Harvester was kind of groove-oriented. Yeah. yeah. And I think Moments of Master of Puppets. But yeah, they didn't really yeah. feature it as part of the song. It was right. Just really. like, the entire album was Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're just we're just beating the shit of our instruments for the most part. Right. Should I read Navid's? Yeah, so this was on all in one post and then Navid responded oh, to so what that's Chris said. that's is that kind of separate? No, you can read it. Go ahead. Yeah. Um uh, Navid ow, just broke my shoulder there. <laughs> Navid his response is uh as I recall they said justice was sort of the logical conclusion of the technical technical stuff for them. And that there was nowhere to go, so they needed to try something different. I think they also commented at this at, at that time about how mid-tempo tracks sound much better in arenas than fast ones. And they wanted to carry that over to the new material. This is just uh, seconding. Reiterating everything we said. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, that's true. So it, that's more than one person bringing up that point. So it must be true, right? <laughs> I, think they, I think Lars actually said that at one point. 
right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I do remember I that. I think yeah. he had mentioned that, yeah. He's like, you know, these, yeah, they don't have to cover it. But yeah. Yeah. Okay, Justin Hasler. Tim, you can read that. I, yeah, I can read that. Yeah, Justin Hasler. He says, man, really hard to keep this short. I had a lot going on in my life around this time uh, when this was released and was pretty much out of touch with the world. I remember people asking me if they'd if I'd heard the new Metallica song and thinking, what? There's new Metallica? I went home and turned on my TV knowing they'd play the video on the hour every hour. And it was over way too fast for me to really have an, op- an opinion on it. I bought the cassette on release day and instantly fell in love. It really opened my eyes to great production and pushed me more towards blues-style guitar playing. They got me really into Pink Floyd and forced me to buy a CD player so I could hear every detail. Also, I just had to buy my first wah, LOL. <laughs> Why I, think that I think a lot of people, I know I bought my first wah after this album came out, for sure. I, had, I couldn't play the Inner Sandman solo if I didn't have the wah, right? Well, he, I, I, I just love the fact that um, Metallica is what caused him to start playing blues. Yeah. I know. That is <laughs> but he's right. Like they're, they're, he's, he's way bluesier than he'd ever been, you know? Yeah, it's a really good point. This. Yeah. But you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't think, like, well, how'd you get in a blues guitar, man? Well, I listen to the, <laughs> the Black Album. <laughs> well, that mean, bluesy time, Black Album. Time out. Time out. As much as, yeah, like, I mean, all rock and roll came out of the blues. I mean, regardless well, of yeah. Yeah. punk or metal or whatever, you know, blues is the but backbone. I, no, I, I, so. I get that. I just, I, it was just funny hearing that. Like, yeah. But it makes sense. I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, shitting on it. It's a, like, yeah, it's just an interesting. Like, Kirk never, he never had solos like this before this no. album. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the healthier response to something like this where it's new is that you just sort of embrace it versus yeah. like, fuck you, you betrayed me, I hate you forever, I'm burning this how, well, how great is it? How great is it when you listen to something and you go like, oh, that's different. I want to like learn more about that. Type yeah, of music or genre. Well, no, right. time out, yeah. time out. That's actually, actually awesome. I think, I think, actually, this does bring up a good point because I think, let's face it, I think we've even talked about this in the show previously. Uh, metal as a as a construct, you know, as much as rock and roll spawned directly out of the blues, metal itself has a lot more uh, classical bass composition to it. A lot of uh, stylistic use is, you know, when you think of Engvang Malmsteen, you know. Flat out, he is the Paganini, uh, you know, <laughs> of a guitar. You know, the yeah. way he does things, it, it's very staccato based and very structural. And I feel that you know, metal really held more of a, a musical element of more classical styles to it, as compared to more or less a lot of the rock and roll that spawned directly mm-hmm. from you know, you listen to the Doors, it's flat mm-hmm. out fucking blues. Yeah, so yeah. there is a little distinction there, and, and you know, with this album, you know, as we've already stated numerous times change that occurred yeah speaks to that i think yeah greatly okay uh well thank you justin for the feedback um, yeah has everyone oh, okay I, I was wondering if everyone so far has been a guest on the show no landon no 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 quite a few landon landon will be on a future episode though for sure yeah we keep telling him we'll have him on and we haven't had him on so yeah. we owe him <laughs> big time um <clears throat> Rob Lapahuska. This is short. So, Keith, you want to read it? Or? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and take this one. Yeah, it's a good last name. Lapahuska. Yeah. <laughs> this was a pivotal album at an interesting time in my life. First real concert experience in Landover, Maryland. Me too. Cut my teeth on the bass while learning these mm-hmm. tunes. No, wait. Justice was mine. Never mind. Yeah. 
driving back and forth to high school in my shitty car with a shittier stereo, wearing out this cassette, watching these epic documentaries about the making of only added to the legend. Yeah, I, I think all four of us can, you know, the shit oh, car, so, the shit stereo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> absolutely. I wonder if, I guess he was at the same show we were. Definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah. Over April, Did they play April? two yeah, nights or was it just the one night? April 1st and 2nd, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, April 1st and 2nd. It's two nights. Yeah. And we went to which both. one? Both. Well, I went. I, did. I didn't go I to both. I didn't go to both. What? No. No. Hmm. no. What was the video don't, that had... Don't, uh, don't say. <laughs> you didn't go to both? <laughs> April no. 2nd was the one I went yeah. Then that must have been the one, obviously that was the one I went to also. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we went. Yeah, obviously. Well, what, what was the one they they, they <laughs> have clips from uh, one of their videos off this album? I know that was recorded at, at Cap Center. Oh, sad but true. Oh, the video. Sad, okay. Yeah, yeah sad but true. My, yeah, my friend. Wait, Jason, that was there. Yes, my friend Jason Herding. you guys all are like, oh man, I was in the book. Well, my friend Jason Herding ended up in that video. So. I'd That's rather cool. be in the book. <laughs> Nobody watches fucking videos anymore. <laughs> I didn't know. What, it was it all from that show, or did it? I thought it was. No, like, I don't was, know about all of it, but yeah, it was all over. Oh, okay, from the okay. tour, from the tour, tour but right. my yeah. friend Jason. Yeah, 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 I think it was just. Ended up, he's, he's, yeah. You can't tell it's him because he's just sitting there headbanging the entire time. Yeah, I remember they, they. I feel like every other video they put out from this album was basically the same fucking, you know, mix of live. Yeah, shit. they had. Well, they had Inner Salmon and Unforgiven. Those two were like pretty. And wherever I may roam, wherever I may roam, yeah. That was the that was a live one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The two, the first two were were conceptual, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rest were all just live shit. Was all just or or making it was lazy as fuck. Or they probably didn't have time to really shoot a video. Because nothing nothing else matters. matters. It's all studio stuff. Studio stuff, yeah. And yeah, wherever I'm in Rome is live. Sabatru is live. Yeah, Rome could have been really cool. Unforgiven was live. They didn't (laughs) exactly live up to one. (laughs) No, no, they'll never top that though. Well, I think I think I think that's what Unforgiven they were trying to kind of. Get more that of a was, party, but that know. was wasn't that a Matt Mahern? Uh, yeah, like, like like in mm-hmm. every video from that those like three years of around there would look like those. Mm-hmm. Like every every scene faded in slowly. Sandman was too. Sandman and out, uh, you know. Sandman and I forget when we're Matt Mahern. No, no, Sand, Sandman was was Wayne Isham. Oh, Wayne Isham. Mm-hmm. I get those two confused. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But all like right. every Alice in Chains video was Matt Mahern and they all looked the same. <laughs> oh, and they were all Jerry all sucked. And then yeah, Jerry Jer- and Jeremy, right? Wasn't Jeremy a Matt Mahern thing too? Yep, yep. Yeah. I think he did some Soundgarden too. Yeah. Could Just use some more dimmer on the lights here. <laughs> yeah. More slow-mo. More slow fade out. Can we, can we get more shadow? Yeah, more oh, shadow. Oh, and there's exactly. a shot of a there's a shot of a little girl with a doll. <laughs> Make sure she's there's crying a, though. She has there's to be an crying. Old, there's an old car outside of a diner. <laughs> All right, I want to read the next one, but I'm going to read John Wilson's. We'll, we'll skip Eric. We'll come back to Eric, but I want to get some negativity in here because we're yeah, yeah. Wait, oh, is this John, John Wilson. Wilson from Woodson? It is. Yeah, it's uh no shit. Yeah. Uh, sick pup. Yeah, sick pup. He was in. Um, <laughs> wow. He was, he was in my first band. He was in Punishment. He was a oh, singer of Punishment. Yeah. That's how that I know him. Singer. Well, <laughs> yeah, singer. He was. He was. So he was humble. before I was in there. Yes. Or was he? Were no, he we was there before. in? Okay. He was before. Huh. He, it was. He was the first line. He was part of the first lineup. Anyway, <clears throat> so John says when this album came out, I had never been more excited about an album release before or since. It was a change from their previous work, and I was not impressed. 
I played it repeatedly for weeks, waiting for it to get better, but it just wouldn't. He I doesn't attribute- understand how tapes work. <laughs> I don't think that's what he means, but yeah, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I attribute much of my reaction to my age at the time, but I had always seen bands in competition with one another, one another like sports teams. In the case of Metallica and Megadeth, it was quite actually real. I felt that my favorite band answered back to the incredible rust and peace with a terribly weak and slow emoting black album. We weren't, in fact, calling it that yet. It was Metallica, Metallica. Negative. Yeah, we were. (laughs) We were. I was crushed. Well, on one day in September of 1991, I came home and took all my Metallica posters down. I even gave up on metal altogether. (laughs) I never gave any other further work a listen, even to this day. I hardly listen to metal anymore. But whenever I try to listen to Metallica's first four, whenever I try to listen to Metallica's first four albums, it's only a matter of two or three songs before I'm replacing them with Carcass. I never thought they sold out, but I believe they crapped out. Wow. Keith, did you did you ghostwrite this for him? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's. Cool. I mean, that is some um, taking things to that's extreme, ex- John. Extreme. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah that's like, extreme. Well, hey, well, you know, he was a big Cramps fan, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, geez. Look, I, I did the whole rip your posters down with Motley Crue, but that's just because I didn't like them. Came anymore. to your senses. They deserved yeah. it. You should have ever right. had those. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I never stopped listening to metal because well, of he the album. Can't, he cannot say that this album did not change his life. That's very true. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. true. This had a huge impact on him, for sure. See? So that, so. that's and the... And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad he's still around. I, did, I, did, I haven't seen that guy since high school, so... I, I, That's cool. Later that year, I was in the <clears throat> same history class with Coach Coughlin. <laughs> Last time I saw him was about 10 years ago working at Dogfish Head. I have no idea oh. where he is now. So. All right. Yeah. Wait, Dogfish Head? Well, if, if he hears it, obviously, right? Yeah, if, if he ends up listening to this after he hears that he's on it, uh, hey, John. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it's been 30, 40 years? <laughs> 40 yeah, years? Like <laughs> Last time like I was it. five. <laughs> All right, let's well, go back to. Well, oh, sorry. What were you going to say, Tim? I was going to say, you know, it's thanks for the feedback. It's kind of yes. good to get the other side. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's I was I was hoping we'd get some. some Because I know a lot of people don't. I mean, we have a person on this podcast right now who doesn't really like these albums. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. There, we don't have back to Eric. I, I, exactly. Yeah. I appreciate this, but yeah, exactly. I mean, I had I hadn't thrown this thing in in seriously like twenty nine years, you know. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Eric Heider, right. Joe, you want to? Yeah, sure. Eric Heider said or writes, I think although the stylistic change was very obvious, where else could Metallica go? The album sonically was the best. Produced album I'd ever heard. The drum mix alone is amazing. If one likes heavy music, it's arguable that one has to at least respect this album. Songwriting isn't as frenetic as Injustice, or as Injustice, but is perhaps even more well crafted. These songs work. Are, are these worked with the songs and the production? It just sounds. They so worked organic. these songs. They worked these songs and the production. Ju- it just sounds so organic. And if Injustice was a jackhammer, the black ha- the black album was. Someone lovingly digging and shaping a hole. Interesting. <laughs> That's a yeah, interesting analogy. Definitely never heard that description before. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, he continues, adding to that, new decade, new Metallica. I think for a lot of people in our age range, this was the defining album 
For whether or not one was willing to grow along with the artists or be beholden to something, to some sort of uh, standard bearing. Every person that had cried this album and the band as sellouts when this dropped and got so popular didn't really like music as much as they liked gatekeeping. (laughs) Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Some, some more commas would help me out here. <laughs> let, me, let me read that again. Every person that decried this album and the band of sellouts when this, when this dropped and got so popular didn't really like music as much as they liked gatekeeping. I really like that term, though, don't you? Yeah. Gatekeeping. Gatekeeping? You never heard that before? No. Oh, yeah, that's, no that's, that's, that's very common in a lot of like, you know, genres of movies and things like that, uh-huh. where if you stray from the path even a little bit like Star Wars, if you do anything that's just not in this very narrow, you know, view. Right. People get all mad and they're like, well, you can't do that because that's against the fandom and it's against the rules of the fandom and they're called gatekeepers. Yeah. They're just gatekeeping this whole kind of gatekeeping the fandom. You know, they're saying like, this is your very limited space where you can work. Yeah. That's it. I get it. I like, yeah. Um, and lastly he says, uh, I, I sort of feel sort of feel like in a strange way this album paved the way for more mainstream acceptance of heavier music that unconsciously opened the doors for tons of the alternative bands that became huge just a bit later. I totally agree with that, Les. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I can't think of a an example right this second, but <laughs> like a band that, that, that you know. Uh, I'd say Pantera did it. What's that? Later. Well, when they, I mean... It was uh, Fabrian Driven that went number one, right? Yeah. In 94. Yeah. I think that, because that was friggin' heavy. Like, that was. Well, what about, yeah, but what about like, um, like Corn or Limp Biscuit? Like, right, yeah. That's that, what I was trying to think latter, of. Like, alternative great, bands. You know, ton, he says tons of alternative bands became huge a bit later. So oh, I'm trying okay. to think of like bands that may oh. have been influenced by this that were alternative bands that became huge. Like, I mean, I know one of the guys in Pearl Jam was a big Metallica fan and, and a big metal fan in general. Um, and I think Ooh. there's, and, and I know I uh, one of the guitar players, um, Stone Gossard, maybe. Sure. Um, and I know Kirk, Kirk Cobain was a big Metallica fan too. He was, yeah. So, you know, even just those two, you're, I know you're, you're. I'm kind of narrow casting it to just grunge, but there are, I'm sure there are tons of tons of um, alternative bands um, that came out around the mid '90s that that Metallica was a big influence on for sure. Yeah, I can be Kevin's. Yeah, go ahead. Kevin Kelly, my brother-in-law, he says it was different from their old stuff, granted, and more commercial, but I still liked it. One of the last LP albums I bought. As far as them changing, doesn't every good band grow and stretch their capabilities over the years? The changes might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I think it's part of the growth process. I still put this album on every once in a while to give it a give it a listen. I didn't even know he liked old stuff. No, I don't. No idea. <laughs> why else would you? Why else would you put an album on other than to listen to it? <laughs> I didn't know he liked Metallica at all. As a matter of fact, and I've known the guy for over ten years. Yeah, um, I mean that's a good point. I mean, good bands should grow and stretch but my favorite band of all time really didn't uh, Iron, Iron Maiden, Maiden. <laughs> yeah. you know but they kind of did though they kind of well I think yeah. they got older and couldn't play as fast I think that's <laughs> yeah. part of it too their, yeah. their notes are uh, you know I've been watching that guy Doug Helvern that composer that oh, yeah. does reaction videos mm-hmm. and um, I've, I've seen him do a, a few reactions to Iron Maiden he's like 
and and he 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 loves them the ones I've seen you know the the songs but he's like oh yeah well they're in that there you should know they're in that key again E minor <laughs> every one of their songs I can guarantee you there's at least three chords in there there's there's E and D and they go down to C so yeah they didn't really yeah. I mean, nobody copies Iron Maiden more than Iron Maiden. Yeah, <laughs> so that's very true. I mean, they're yeah. like the new ACDC, you know. Yeah, they, but you know, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're better than ACDC. Uh, the new album is very good. I, I like it a lot. So, yes. Well, the next three are are all from uh, Keith's <laughs> post, and they're they're the three shortest. So uh, I'll do my friend Brendan uh, Shoal. Um, overly hated, excellent album. Even if it's only a so-so album by Metallica standards. One of the best drum productions on a metal album, period. If they had injected some thrash beats into Holier Than Thou or Struggle Within, it would have added more dynamic and strengthened hmm. the album as a whole. Yeah, I agree with him. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think there are, I think there are thrash elements in there. Well, there are. And the fact that they're not fleshed out is the yes, the thing that may be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest thing we need to stress so. here is, you know, if we could talk about my band Treason. You guys don't know Brendan, and that's a that's a that's a joke at your fucking expense, Brendan. <laughs> Brendan was okay. in a band called Treason. He wouldn't stop saying, "Well, my band Treason." After every single fucking conversation we had with him for a period of five years, he was very proud of his band Treason. <laughs> it's a damn it, 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 it was a it was a pretty good band, and well, one way or another. The next is uh, Monica, you know, uh, former roommate or housemate. And uh, she states, you know, really changed me as a seven-year-old saying prayers at night, which references, you know, the the video to, you know, uh, Enter Sandman. Sandman. And Sandman, I'll yeah. be honest, I will be honest, I never liked that part. I've always thought it was kind of cheesy. That's well, Dave Mustaine wrote it. That's Bob so. Rock's son, by the way. Yeah, that's Bob Rock's son. Oh, that does, does, that does the uh, children's yeah. vocal in that? Yeah. 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 Well, one way or another. Finally, from my end, we get to my stupid fucking brother. <laughs> fuck you, Doug. <laughs> Damn. I'll take that over fuck you, Lars. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, uh, would you like to raise the topic on the podcast that 30 years after its release, Enter Sandman still revs people up enough <laughs> to literally cause earthquakes? Happened two weeks ago at the UNC Virginia Tech game. Go Bro. Hokies! Bro, pass the ball. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna correct him a little bit. It didn't literally cause earthquakes. It 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 was on the Did it register. It's registered on the, on the Richter scale, I think. So, all but, right, so Bond. Figure, it's a figurative earthquake. Ford, yeah. pass me the ball. <laughs> Ford, oh, Ford, oh, Ford. Yeah, that is an awesome clip, though. I mean, yeah. Let's, let's ignore uh, the uh, fact that. COVID's still Should happening, we, and there's uh, so, so 300,000 people standing like yeah. this. <laughs> Four people yeah. died as a result of that, but <laughs> yeah. hey, you know, it's still pretty that cool. pretty cool. <laughs> what is the deal with that song and, and the Hokies? I don't know. They just use it to come out on the field every time. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Is there a backstory? Not that I know of. I, don't, I, I, don't I, I so. bet, I like bet some drunken college kid was like, you know what we should play? Enter Sandman. <laughs> You know, and that was it. Probably. Probably. He might have been blacked out drunk at the time, so maybe nobody remembers that it was, you know, that guy. I know at one of the bowl games, like, three or four years ago, James Seffield actually did a little intro before, and they played it at the stadium, right before, like, mm-hmm. right before they started playing, James was like, all right, Hokie Nation, or something like that, and he's like, yeah, you know, here come your, 
you know, Virginia Tech Hokies, give it up or whatever. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. So, so that, James, the, James is well aware the, of that. The drum oh, yeah, intro yeah. is, it, it lends itself very well to uh, humongous loudspeakers with the drums when they, oh, yeah. when they kick in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the last comment is from Roger. Uh, Buddy, uh, Buddy Roger, who's in the... Uh, oh, Roger. <laughs> Virginia chapter of the Metallica fan club called uh, Virginia Fuel. Roger Mikowski? Mikowski. I believe. He says, I still remember the day I bought it and played it. At first, I was disappointed. This isn't thrash. Where's my Metallica? But one thing I've always liked about Metallica is that they want... Oh, I'm sorry. They do what they want. They don't care what people think. And the album grew on me. It's a great album that stood the test of time. It is my favorite. Is it my favorite Metallica album? No, but it's incredible and an important part of the Metallica journey through the years. I think it's great that Metallica has one of the longest running top selling albums of all time. I mm. think that's great too. That's yeah. Cool. You know, it's uh, it, it reminds me to think about like this album is probably, it's probably not most Metallica fans favorite album, is it? I can't fathom I how I don't know. I don't I think it depends on what kind of fan they are because I've yeah. talked to some fans who are casual fans mm-hmm. and they're like, Well, of course the black album's their best, right? And you go, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, not really. There's also you know, an age thing too. I mean, I, I was gonna comment on the, the comment that uh, oh, the the, the uh, with Monica Monica being, being seven. seven years yeah. old. Like I know some people who are about ten years younger than me. They were like, Yeah, I love Metallica. I, the first album I got was Black Album and it was amazing. You know, it's like I guess well, yeah, okay. Sure. So it's probably if it was your first album, right? Yeah, there's a good chance we talk about that game, on the right? podcast all the time. About our first album is oftentimes the our one, favorite. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the, the one that one. grabs you. Yeah, so it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I was in a in a band. Um, well, in A Track Jones, Joe, that one of the, the bass players that, that was in that band too. Yeah, the bass player band. that replaced you, uh, Paymon, who uh-huh. has since passed away. Rest in peace. Um, his favorite album was Load because it was the first album he heard by them. So, wow! There yeah. you go. The first so. time I've ever heard anyone say that. But, yeah. yeah, no, it was his favorite. I mean, so hmm. yeah. So it's. It, I think I agree with Tim. It's. It's all about the type of fan. If you're, if you've been with the band since '83, you probably, <laughs> probably, I'm pretty sure the Black, Black Album is not your favorite album by them. But right. yeah, you know, yeah. um, later generations, maybe so. If yeah. you were fair, if you first heard them in '91, it's almost definite the Black Album is your favorite. <laughs> Probably, good chance. I mean, it depends on how you where you went with it, but yeah. I mean, I was 16. It was my favorite album by them when it first came out. But I was that's because I was 16, and it's like, yeah, this is their best album yet. Yeah, over, <laughs> right. know, over time. You know. I mean, how many times do we play that album that day? I, we played it. All oh day God. long. All, all week long. And that, <laughs> all, that, all didn't month. go off. That didn't go off. Yeah, that was on repeat for literally probably six months. I mean, to this day, there's, there's, that's the one band I get the most excited about when I hear there's something new coming out. You know, oh, absolutely. Metallica. Yeah, of course. Because it only happens once a decade. <laughs> if, <laughs> if that. Oh, fuck you, Lars. It is true. It's, uh, you know, the last album came out in 2016, so it's already been five you, years. And yeah. I mean, they've only put out, if you, if you consider Load and breath. Reload. Yeah. Load and Reload are basically one album, so it's really, there's only been, how many albums since this album came out? If you consider Saint that. A- St. Anger just exists in our deep, <laughs> dark, horrible <laughs> nightmare. So that doesn't there's, count. There's only four albums, four studio albums, if you Since consider Load album. and Reload one. Yeah. yeah. And that's 30 years. 
Yeah, I know. That's crazy. There's been live things Lazy. and other things, but <laughs> in terms of studio, new studio songs, yeah, it doesn't happen sessions. very often anymore. No. We want Daddy to make us some content. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for writing in. We appreciate that. Um, keep doing it. We'll we'll try to put more content out there for you to comment on, but uh, keep them coming. We appreciate that. Yeah, we never get. That's rare. We get feedback. <laughs> yeah, really, <laughs> of any kind. So <laughs> that's not true. We do all the time. It's just usually it's not good. It's each, it's each, it's like <laughs> amongst ourselves. I like yeah. that too. Well, yeah, it's just us. Yeah, yeah it's just us. <laughs> why would we read that? <laughs> All right, shall we move on to? Uh... Whoa, the tracks! Actually, wait. <laughs> there was something else you wanted to discuss. Uh, the box set. Oh, okay. There which, were a couple. I mean, yeah, that's true. You know the fact that you, well, there's well, there's, there's one well, big thing that we we should talk about with the box set. Yeah, <laughs> there's one big well, thing. I don't think we've there. actually. There's two things about that. <laughs> one's really weird. The other one's really cool. The weird thing is yeah, the fact that I submitted part. the pictures. Yeah. What three <laughs> pictures? The guy who submits yeah. the pictures doesn't get in the box set. Yeah, that is Tim weird. Tim is his ass is chewing gum over this one, man. <laughs> no, it's I mean I'm in the Justice one quite a few times, so I'm, I and that's probably why I'm not in the Black Album one. They're probably like, that's enough, dude. You're in this one, so <laughs> Do you think they even knew yeah. it was the same it, it, you think that they weren't even the ones deciding what pictures made it in there? I uh, you probably know not. I actually think it was an over oversight because in the credits it says there are three pictures in here from Tim Ford. But there's not. There's only two, and it's you guys and not me. Mm. There's so I think they were supposed to put all three in, and they forgot. Well, the other thing with the with the justice one is you got that one for free because mm-hmm. you submitted pictures. You didn't. They didn't yeah. do that with black album. Not yet. Cheap. <laughs> they might still. You might get a free one out of nowhere. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I might. That would be pretty funny. That wouldn't surprise me. I've already bought the things. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're like, oh. Just to trace back, for anybody who's wondering or guessing, yes, the pictures of the members of this podcast ended up in the most recent po- uh, box set. Yeah. You uh, didn't really, you didn't say that out loud. Guys. No, we didn't. There's, so there's a book that comes with the book. We were getting there. Jeez, Keith. Yeah. There's a, right. there's like a, what is it? Like a hundred page Actually, book. Actually, we were. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Full of, <laughs> full of like Ross Halfen pictures and just stories from, never heard of him. From, you know, whatever. Right. And yeah. In the middle of that book, there's a, there's a couple of, couple of, couple of pages of pictures of people meeting the bands. And thanks to Tim submitting the pictures, there's a picture of Joe and I meeting. Lars and James. And uh, I look like I'm dead, standing next to Lars, looking like he's annoyed as shit. And uh, <laughs> I, look like, I look like a fat girl. <laughs> God. <laughs> With bad we glasses. Should... But we're in it, God damn it. That's right. No matter how we look, we're in it. The story of that night might be on the next Metallica podcast because I submitted that, that story. Did you oh, the there Metallica was an email podcast? Yeah, there was an email that went out that said you have until like next week or the first 500 submissions will be considered to be on the next Metallica podcast. So I ran in, my, in here and just quickly told that story in like a minute and a half because I was like, they probably want it short. Did you did Quit. you like submit a, a, an audio clip or just a mm-hmm. oh, wow. an audio clip? They, they said they want an MP3 clip of you telling your favorite Metallica story about the Black Album. So I oh. ran in here really quick because I was like, oh shit, I got to get this in here quick. I'm behind on the podcast, so I didn't hear that yet. They haven't been on yet. It's coming out next week. So I don't know if I'm on it or not. 
Oh, okay. I have no, I have no idea. But the story of you guys, that the story of us meeting them that night and how those pictures came to be might be on the next Metallica podcast. We should tell that story mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, we should tell the story because I mean we're talking about the black album. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about that fucking album. Somebody yeah, start talking. We'll talk about the tour. Um which <laughs> No, we should wait thirty more years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we this was back in the day when you can just wait outside venues, including the Capitol Center or whatever it's mm-hmm. called now, Capital One Arena. Is it's it still there? Not, it doesn't exist anymore. Oh right. Yeah, that's it's, right. it's been torn down, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So um yeah, we literally just waited outside. Um where we knew where the, the buses or limos were going to come out of, so we just waited by that area, and eventually, here come the buses, here come the limos, and um, we're standing by this like barricade, and the first limo that pops up is is Jason. He runs out and just comes right to us where we're standing. He's like, "Fucking chilling, man," or something like that. And it was <laughs> he said it was cold as a motherfucker, man. Yeah, yeah. And it was April second, so I wish it, 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 it was it was it was pretty. It was it was cold. It was, it was cold, cold for April. It was very cold. cold. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so Jason's. Cool as shit. Like he was super cool. I, I wish I got a picture with him. I don't know how, what happened there. I guess he was just quickly yeah, going to person. person. Yeah, must be. I, re- I remember when he was standing standing in front of me. I was like, dude, he's he's like the same height as me. Did that strike you, Eric? Like, yeah, yeah, he was shorter than I expected him to be. He was like my height. Yeah, and you see these guys on stage all the time, right? And yeah, well, they're, they're, Kirk they're is very very short. So we Kirk didn't, and Lars are both short. Yeah, Kirk, we didn't. Kirk didn't he didn't. He went home or whatever to the, the straight hotel. To the hotel. Yeah. Um, and then in that picture with James, like he looks like he's ten feet taller than me, <laughs> and he's really not that much taller. I don't it's know what boots. the deal was. It's cowboy boots. He's wearing cowboy. I guess, boots. yeah, because it was like, well, what the fuck? He's got the Gene Simmons giant heels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the cr- <laughs> I'm going to get you, sucker. <laughs> the fishbowl heels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then Lars was just sitting in his limo, so it, you don't get a perspective of of height there. Um, <laughs> no, but 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 yeah, super cool. I mean, I this was I think I've told this story in the the, the, the podcast where you know Eric Josephson and I, one of our old drummers and one of our old bands, was uh, he, he and I were debating if there's a tambourine in the song "Addresses for All," which there is because I asked Lars that night. Hey, me as a sixteen year old. Is there a tambourine in the song And Justice for All? And he goes, good ears, good ears. There is a tambourine. And he explained to me, like, we used this trigger and we did this. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I tuned out. <laughs> You're just like, okay. Who's Lars? <laughs> exactly. You're literally talking to me right now. You're Lars yeah. Ulrich and you're yeah. talking. Can you sign my tablature book even though you don't play guitar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's making the face. Like, why the fuck am I signing this? Yeah. <laughs> he is making a face. He's making a. I think he's making a. I'm too cool for school face. <laughs> the MF. I was. That's what I was thought because he was super nice. Oh yeah, really nice. In fact, yeah. he was. There was a guy that was like a bodyguard guy, like being you know kind of dicky. Like, come on guys, let's move it along, move along. And like, I wanted to get a picture. I'm like, can I just get a picture? And, and Lars was like, just no, it's fine. Come on, come on. So I think he was. More irritated with the bodyguard guy saying, "Come on, move it yeah. along, move it along." Than than yeah. me. So uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully that's the case anyway. Um, but yeah, that was. That's so, not the best part of the story, though. No, go on. There's more to it. <laughs> the best part of the story is the fact that our car was parked right near the limo, and we we're like, we could just get in the car, 
and follow the limo wherever that, no, I don't know Gene. where you're going, but he's just gonna make a buff. <laughs> just gonna go. <laughs> so you're crazy you nuts. Know, we're like, let's just follow the limo. So we did down like the beltway all the way to Georgetown. And that the the limo driver knew, knew. that he was oh, being yeah. he knew he was being chased. And he started running, he'd like time the red lights to where it was like by the time these guys get to this red light, it's gonna be, you know, he it'd like, be yellow. He's like, Bew. time time out. like you you guys were saw this at the cap center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cap center isn't that far away from 495. And if you ended up on 495, what light are you running into? No, no in no, George, no, no, no in we, Georgetown. We went oh. into DC. Yeah, yes. We're in yeah, DC. Yeah. So he's he hops off the wetway, gets on whatever road you take probably to get to Georgia. Georgetown. Yeah, Georgia Ave, probably. Yeah. Something like that. I yeah. know when we got into like the city proper, this guy was like full blown, almost running red lights, which meant that no, he I just was, was. He was flat yeah. out running them. He's like, fuck you. And I was like, oh my God, we got to run this red light. And like, we're going to get busted. And he yeah. kept doing it. I know. Do you remember what happened though? We, you got the one red light where you're finally like, I got to stop. And then like four or five cars behind you just went zoom right past you. I'm like, I guess we should keep going. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, I forgot about that. But yeah, that's true. Because there were other people doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, there were a few. Not a lot, but you know, enough. Yeah. And we finally got there and like yeah, Lars has every right at this point to be like, okay, guys, you got your fucking shit. I'm going to bed. Right. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. No. Yeah. He just sat there and waited for us. Like he got out of the limo and just waited for us outside of the hotel in that little, just not in the lobby, but just outside in that little, you know, where you pull your cars up to get to your, yeah. you know, take your suitcases out and all that stuff. Super cool. And this is Lars in 92, which is like, you know. Lars in 92. Rockstar Lars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> white leather jacket Lars. It's mm. white leather jacket Lars, and he, would, he could not- White leather jacket, and no shirt. Yeah. And he was in super cold cool. April. He, and yeah. it was, yeah. And he was super cool and hung out with us, and we took pictures and, you know, asked him questions. And asked about what finally kind of gum like, he's chewing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember he uh, he had a, some, some dude brought up a demo- yeah, yeah, that was so annoying. That guy. Oh. Yeah, and, and and Lars was polite to him too. He yeah. was. He's like, I I get so many of these, I can't I can't possibly listen to them. Yeah, know? he's like, if I if I listened to every demo I got, I'd never get an ounce of sleep. I think is what yeah. he said. And uh, I think the tour manager was like, okay, he's got to go to bed, guys. Yeah, that was kind of how it, that's how it ended. It was like, he needs to go now because this right. is like three in the morning at this point. It was yeah. ridiculous. This and this is after like a three hour gig. This guy just played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, and he's remained that way too to this day. Like he's, you know, when you see him on those clips of the backstage stuff, he's super personable and just walking up to everybody, asking them how they are, like you know, getting their history. Like, you know, where do you live? Like, like where'd you come? Like, yeah. He's just, he's the coolest dude, and that's why I, I get, I get a little irritated when people pick on him so much. It's like, yeah. fuck you, Lars. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, he's done some questionable things. He has, sure. You know, like, you know and you're like, uh, dude, what? But I mean, at the same time, like. What, what's that movie? Get him to the Greek. Yeah. He yeah. totally makes fun of himself with that. Yeah, he, he does. does. He does. Yeah. And I think he knows, you know, he was right about why Napster shouldn't be doing what they're doing, but the, the approach was probably not the best approach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows that too. Like, he didn't need yeah, to. Yeah, he's grown it. up. He's grown up a lot. Yeah. He didn't need then. to make it all about him. So, so yeah, that was, that was us meeting with him. Energy. Energy. Aggression. To sum it up, it's a vulgar display of power. Heavy metal speaks to the anger and despair of teenagers today, the same way that the blues used to speak to the despair and anger of the South. Cutting up. Cutting it up big time.
some cunts recording this.